Wednesday morning at JM in the AM. Rabbi Mark Wilds is with us live via telephone. No secret that he's one of my favorite guests. He's the author of a book. The book is entitled Beyond the Instant, Jewish Wisdom for Lasting Happiness in a Fast-Paced Social Media World. Mark Wilds is the founder and director of the Manhattan Jewish Experience, a social, educational, and spiritual events organization for young adults that draws more than 20,000 attendees each year to Shabbat dinners, classes, and special events and trips. He actively blogs for the Times of Israel and other um, media outlets. He has had numerous appearances in the media, including right here on JM in the AM. Rabbi Mark Wilds, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. It's such an honor to be here. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Isn't this an amazing time of year? Isn't this amazing where we spend, hopefully, uh, the time leading up to uh, Rosh Hashanah and the time at the beginning of the brand new year, reflecting on the past, thinking of improving and changing for the future? You you have to admit, this is a a unique time of year when one looks at the calendar. It's it's such a great opportunity um, this time of year. It's not only, you know, as you say, a time to, for all of us to look inside and see how we can do better, but it's also time in the Jewish community where, you know, a lot of our brothers and sisters um, are doing the same thing that they're perhaps not doing very much during uh, the course of the year. A lot of the empty pews get filled high holidays in a lot of synagogues, and uh, the work we do in reaching out, it's, uh, this is always a very, very opportune time. So, yeah, I love this time of year. By the way, you're making a very important point for this audience, in my opinion. Uh, reflection and evaluation of where one is spiritually and religiously does not just apply to those who are ritually observant Jews. You know what I mean? Everybody in our tradition, whether we think so or not, are looking at themselves and you know, t- t- stopping and, and, and examining carefully their lives during this time of year. Yeah, uh, uh, 100%. You know, the one, one person, um, you know, the way the Rambam, the great Maimonides, uses the term Baal Tshuva, he talks about somebody who is returning, you know, on whatever level uh, they're returning. And it could be somebody who goes to synagogue once or twice a year, and it could be someone who goes three times a day, but has got some deficiency, some imperfection, some difficulty, inner demon or challenge that he or she is grappling with, and they somehow break through and move forward, that individual is called a Baal Tshuva. In our, in our world, we tend to only refer to Baal Tshuva as individuals who didn't grow up religious, now they become... This is a time for every Jew to become a Baal Tshuva, for everyone to introspect and do a little better. Uh, and that's why I love this time of year. It's really, it's it's across the board, 100%. Yeah, Rabbi Mark Wilds is with us. Before we talk about the book, just update me. What do you think Rosh Hashanah is going to look like for the Manhattan Jewish experience? Do we have plenty of uh, outlets and locations and a lot of reservations at this point? Yeah, we've got, um, we're always nervous when, uh, you know, Rosh Hashanah comes out so early, so close to Labor Day. Oh, so good point, good point. In, right. Yeah, people are in the summer mode until Labor Day, but uh, we've got, we're filling up already, uh, all three of our locations, and uh, I'm proud to say besides, uh, I run the west side, and we have Rabbi uh, Joshua Klein on the east side, and uh, Rabbi Ezra Cohn downtown, and the incredible Chazin downtown, your own <laughs> beloved son, Yaman, who's such an amazing, not only great voice, he really epitomizes what it means to be a shliach tibor, a model, a representative for the community, 
And uh, he also not only uh, chazens and leads the davening with his beautiful voice, but he runs breakout sessions as well. That's our downtown uh, MGE, where we got a very, very large group as well. So um, we're super excited. Yeah, we're gearing up. We're getting closer. And I thank you for your heartwarming comments. You know, a lot of a lot of rabbis reserve any compliments for the cantor till after Yom Kippur, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, cousins like like as many of the compliments as possible. That's so, true, yeah. even in advance. So, did you did you think going into this project that Jackie Robinson would be mentioned in your book? <laughs> I love Jackie Robinson, and I mention him in the book because he is someone, uh, that's the chapter, it's called From Object to Subject. It's right. such a powerful lesson of where we're all put into situations where we feel like we're victims. And Jackie Robinson, if you see the movie 42, or you read any of the biographies about him, he was an extraordinary personality because he transformed himself from object to subject he did not play the victim, even though he clearly was. And he allowed himself, he allowed his athletic talents to shine by just ignoring the derogatory jeers from the stands, from the fans and his fellow players, who were just screaming and yelling at him because he was black. And, and it, it's, it's an unbelievable, I just think he's just a great example of someone who took a situation where he could have been the helpless victim and yet he emerged victorious because he took control of the situation. That's one of the things I write about in the book. And growing that, up Jewish in 2018, how does that uh, apply? Growing Jewish? Wait, I don't know what you're referring to. No, me, meaning what do we, what do we, or the young people that you're addressing in the book, what do we take away from the Jackie Robinson experience? So, okay. I mean, it's, everybody's got a situation. They feel somewhat of a victim. They feel acted upon. Right. They feel at work. They've got no wiggle room here. My boss is just, you know, coming down on me. I'm in a relationship where I can't, you know, control the way things are going. A situation with my family, a situation professionally, relationships. All of these things make us feel as though I can't do anything. And Rav Salvechik, Zechatzak Lebracha, taught that it is, I actually had this as my signature on my email for many years, that it is our job to transform ourselves and our lives from a light of life of fate into what he called the life of destiny. And a life of fate is where things are just happening to you, and a life of destiny is where you take control, you take the reins, and you now are able to somehow control. My favorite example in the Torah is, jo- is Yosef, because Yosef is thrown in a pit, and you see later on he's in another pit in Mitzrayim. And what ends up happening in that pit, the first pit situation, He's just, in, he's just acted upon. His brothers are jealous and they're upset and they throw him in the pit and he gets sold into slavery. If you look at the second pit when he's in Egypt and he's in the Beit HaSurim, he's in jail, that pit situation, Yosef turns to his neighbor and he says, Why is your face so fallen today? What's the matter? And by doing that, by reaching out to someone next to him, he transforms that object situation to which he's been subject he turns himself into a subject, and that ultimately gets him out of jail, and he becomes the great Joseph Viceroy of Egypt. There's so many examples in the Torah where the same situation is repeated. You have that with the pit. You have that in another scenario, as I talk about this in that chapter. And the Torah is making a very dramatic point, and that is in one situation you might feel like an object, in another situation you're supposed to transform yourself into a subject. And just say one last thing. My favorite story that's in that chapter is with Sharansky. 
Right. If you've ever read his book, Fear No Evil, it's yep. one of the most extraordinary books. Yep. Sharansky is in the Gulag. It's Hanukkah, and he wants to celebrate the holiday, and he fashions a menorah. And they take away his menorah, and he's got two choices. He can just take it, go into a cell and cry, but he starts a hunger strike. And he realizes he's going to create political problems for the warden, which he does, and he forces the warden to give him back his menorah and lights the last night of Hanukkah candles with the warden, who puts on a hat and answers Amen to his bracha. It's an unbelievable story, and it's a great example of someone who was so subject to other people's control. You can't think of a more of a situation where someone is subject to someone else's uh, control than being in the gulag, in the Soviet gulag. And somehow he creates independence, and he asserts his own uh, sense of self, and he goes from object to subject. Amazing. Great. Absolutely amazing. Right. Mark Wilds is with us. He directs uh, the Manhattan Jewish Experience. He's author of the book Beyond the Instant. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. You call the book Beyond the Instant, Jewish Wisdom for Lasting Happiness in the Fast-Paced Social Media World. I guess the premise is that um, as much as, I don't know, in the last 50, 100 years, one could say that the the um, the um, likelihood or the uh, the... the um, the com the common thing has always been um, has always been uh, instant gratification. Let's put it that way, and it's gotten more and more like that as we continue to advance in this fast-paced world. I'm assuming that you are saying, with the title of the book, that if one slows down and incorporates some of real Jewish wisdom into their lives, then all of this instant stuff that we think is so great, we will see in reality. Um, it, you know, life can be lived even fuller and even better. Would that be a good way of putting it? Yeah, I think that's an excellent way of putting it. I think the term instant gratification is exactly that. People who might be running after it realize that the gratification that they are getting is fleeting. It is not contentment. It's not happiness for the long run. It is just happening so quickly, and it's frustrating. People are not finding happiness and joy. I just saw a new study that came out of 20,000 young adults that were polled in 20 different countries. And the more, excuse me, the less developed countries ranked higher on a happiness chart. Indonesia, India, Nigeria were on top, France, England, Australia, on the bottom of the United States, somewhere in the middle. And we've just always assumed that the more money you have and the more economically sound of a society you live in, the happier you'll be. It's not necessarily the case. Money is not a factor in producing happiness beyond the instant. Money can produce um, pleasure, but it's fleeting. And uh, assuming that you actually have a roof above your head and clothing, food, clothing, and shelter, all the studies demonstrate that money is not a serious factor, a determinant of happiness. Happiness can only come about long-term happiness by living a value-driven life with meaning and purpose. And that's the whole point of Torah. That's the whole point of Judaism. And that's what I do in the book. I show 10 different values of Judaism that can help young people have more lasting fulfillment and contentment. Um, And not as much of the joy or pleasure, which we all know is fleeting.
And you uh, and the, the no, there's probably no greater example of instant gratification in this world and the way that our uh, next generation is living in 2018 than the area of relationships, intimacy, etc. Uh, some authors might avoid that topic. You deal with it directly. Chapter 2 and Chapter 3, you discuss uh, exactly what is going on, what the situation and circumstances are now today, and how instant all these things are being attained. And you argue, rightfully so, of course, with Torah behind you and with those of us who are in the know about long-term relationships behind you, uh, that in fact those things are so fleeting and really so meaningless compared to the uh, to the holiness of the real Jewish relationship that we're ultimately looking for. Yeah, it's 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 something that the sensitive amongst the young men and women today, millennials, are picking this up. A lot of them are products also of uh, failed relationships or divorces, so there's a lot of reticence as well. Good point. But, Good point. but uh, the, the other issue that's happening is that we're not developing, because everything is so fast, we're not developing the loyalty, the dedication, the kind of values that are necessary to sustain relationships for the long run. And we need to just take a back, we need to take a look at it, and, um, and I use a lot of the teachings of Salvatric from Lonely Man of Faith, because I really think that that book helps. And I also uh, use a lot of teachings from Rabbi Lamb, You Should Live and Be Well, Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb. Uh, he wrote an amazing book in the 1950s called Hedge of Roses, and that is the, a lot of the source of the material from Chapter 3 on sexuality. And you talk about holiness, Nachum. Holiness is such a powerful image that the biblical term, the Torah term for a prostitute is Kadesha, from the Hebrew term Kadosh, because a person who is um, operating in that realm is playing with something that has potential for holiness in it, but obviously is using it inappropriately. But as far as Judaism is concerned, relationship building, sexuality, this is the holy of holies. This is where men and women can develop something deep and long-lasting if it's approached in the right way. But if it's another swipe on another app, and it's, it's just overnight, and it's quick, and, 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 and the, the, the gratification is going to be instant, it's going to be fleeting, and after a while, people grow weary of it, and people become unhappy, and that's what's happening in our country, that's what's happening here in the United States, and it's happening throughout the Western world. And I really think a return to classic Jewish values um, can really help relationship building and restoring sexuality to the holy place that it was supposed to be. And again, this might be the most direct and most obvious example, but you could apply that same uh, type of strategy that you've described to almost every area of life. It, it applies to every area of life. It applies to one's professions. Um, you know, millennials are flipping from one job to the next too quickly. It's not good for career building. It's not good for companies, and, 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 and employers are complaining about it. And, and, by the way, I will say this also about millennials, because I've done a lot of work with millennials over the years. Millennials are less interested in money and more interested, the studies show, in finding meaning and purpose in what they do. And that's the irony of ironies here because they're not as driven by money as the previous generation was. They actually want to find something that's more purposeful and meaningful. But because of the instant gratification, because everything is so quick and everything is so fast, a lot of these same young people are not learning the skills to stay long enough in a particular job, in a particular profession and career, 
to be able to get that sipuk nefesh, to get that satisfaction of the soul that you can only get when you put in real time and years, whether it's in a company or it's in a particular profession. And that's what young people are struggling with, and that's what the book is geared to help people see through by using Torah values. So a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the young people out there, their souls really do want to make that move, especially this time of year. But the attraction on the other side is so great, it sometimes just holds them back. It just, I mean, like any of us know, being human beings, you know, we know what a Yetzirah is all about. And, you know, and, and often the other way is so much easier or one might think so much better and happier. But it's interesting that you say, and you agree with me, that their souls are begging them. To, 100%. to make this, 100%. to make they're this looking, transition, this, to find the rabbi and the chazan that you spoke about, to, to just to, to to explore a little bit. Yeah. Wow. People today, young people today, will look anywhere for wisdom that is going to help them be happier for the long term. We all do. We all do. It's just that we have to get in front of our Jewish brothers and sisters with the wisdom of the Torah. Because if we don't present that to the, the large numbers of young men and women that are not engaged Jewishly, they're going to find something someplace else, which may or may not help them. But it's not going to matter, because they will look for it anywhere. There isn't, unfortunately, the same kind of allegiance and loyalty today to Jewish tradition amongst the less affiliated or the non-observant that there used to be 30, 40 years ago. I, I mean, I feel it. I've been, we just celebrated 20 years of MGE. This month was our 20th anniversary. And I, I feel it in the last 20 years has been a, a shift with the young people who come. Just they're less connected. They're amazing. They're just as talented and wonderful. And as you said, they're interested. They're open. But they're less connected. And therefore, they're not going to necessarily look for those values in Judaism. And therefore, it's our job in the Jewish community, it's our responsibility to do as best as we can to be there when they're looking for that wisdom right. and to say, why don't you check this out? You're Jewish. This is part of who you are. Why don't you look at this treasure that's right that's been sitting here the whole time? It actually has something to say about the issues you're grappling with. Uh, Rabbi Wilds, do you have particular admiration for those Orthodox Jews that won't turn on their phones until Sunday morning? <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning. There are people wow. out there who are disciplined enough, and they say to themselves, I, I met someone like this last week, that's why I mentioned it, that you know, because of this instant that you write about, and because it affects us, ritually observant Jews like, like it would affect anybody else, they try very hard to not touch their phone till sunrise on Sunday morning. I mean, that's unbelievable. It's incredible. Just to keep I, that, uh, that whole spiritual it, it, feeling around, you know. It's it's amazing. I don't know if you, um, if I ever shared this story with you. It was actually another radio show talk host. I heard this from Marion Williamson. I don't know if you know her. Mm. And um, she, she told the story that she was sitting with her eight-year-old daughter. I have this in the book. And uh, they were in Michigan at the, town, at the time in Detroit. And her eight-year-old daughter was working on her video game she was playing. And in the background, there was a movie showing. And there was music playing, because that's what kids do today. You can't just do one thing. Right. So she's playing a video game, watching a movie, listening to music, and the mother's working on her stuff. She's doing her emails on her computer. And the mother and daughter are working side by side until, bam, everything goes off. The lights go down. There is a blackout in uh, downtown in Detroit. And the mother gets, uh, the daughter gets a little nervous, and there's no light. So what do they do? They light a candle. 
Right. The mother lights a candle, and there's nothing else that they can do, so they just start talking to each other for five minutes, ten minutes, <laughs> 20 minutes go by. And then, bam, everything goes back on, and the little girl goes back to her video games, the mother goes back to her, uh, her emailing, the movie gets back on, the music. And then, like, five minutes later, this little girl turns to her mother and says, Mommy, do you think we'll ever get that chance again? <laughs> and the mother asks, Chance? What do you mean? For what? And the little girl, the eight-year-old, says to her mother, you know, to talk like that, that was really fun. We never do that. And I was thinking about it. That's Shabbos. We turn everything off. We, put on, we light a candle. And we focus on each other. And we're able to have quality time with our creator, with our fellow human being, in a way that's just not possible. It was never possible, but it's more impossible today with all the devices and the technology and the distraction. Just so much noise. Yeah. So I'm actually having an easier time selling Shabbat than I ever did before, if you will, because people see the value in it. People know that if they don't turn their devices off, just, their brains are going to be fried. And, and it's, um, so, I mean, it, this is just one thing that is just so, it's so simple but powerful about Judaism that could be so transformative in the lives of young people today. Hmm, I love the fact that you say it's easier to sell Shabbat for that reason. I never thought of that. That's very cool. Rabbi Mark Wilds, the book is called Beyond the Instant. How do people obtain the book? So there's two ways. You can either come to MJE uh, a week from tonight. I'm doing a book launch um, at 131 West 86th Street, uh, the 10th floor of the Jewish Center where MJE's headquarters is based. And uh, it's a happy hour slash book launch. It starts at 6 o'clock. My, uh, I'll be getting up and speaking at about 7.30. Um, and it's also a charity drive, because one of the other messages in the book is giving. We always think that happiness comes from getting. But Judaism teaches happiness comes long-term, beyond the instant, uh, takes place when you give. So it's a giving event. Some of the proceeds are going to some of the local charities. We're teaming up with three or four other uh, tzedakot and, uh, who will be present there representing their respective uh, organizations, JASA for senior citizens, Heart for Israel, brings kids from African countries to Israel for oh, yeah. life. We've interviewed them, sure. Surgeries. Right. Yeah, they're unbelievable. So we're doing all that together. That's one way of getting the book. The other way, if you can't make it, is just to go on Amazon.com, order the book, and if you like it, give me a nice review. It's appreciated. Um, it is uh, Beyond the Instant. You can just Google it, Amazon.com. Rabbi Mark Wilds, Beyond the Instant. By the way, one last point. I believe it was in your book that I read, and I thought this was brilliant, on the subject of charity. Because, And I can't get into the details now. We're way over time. But because of the way that relationships work today, including marriages, because of the way things work today, uh, and the independence that is, again, you know, so much more incorporated into marriage today than it ever was in, in past history, You've said one of the best things that a couple can do is work on a charity project together. Am I right that it was you who said 100%, that? 100%. 100%. That would be a relationship, one of... uh, a husband and wife relationship whose only focus is making the other happy is never going to make it in the long run. They have to do something for others. That's why having children, raising a family right. is so important, not just for procreation and, and perpetuity. Um, and, and we, having a legacy, it's helpful for the relationship that the couple is giving to something beyond themselves, their children, and if it's not their children or in, in addition to their children, it's to a cause in which they believe. And I always like to say this, this could help with the Shidduch crisis. I really believe this. 
that a couple, when they get the first uh, 48 months of their marriage, uh, 24 months of their marriage, I said, actually, two years, they should be fixing other couples up because they're right. in the age where they know other people, they could be doing that, and that's so rewarding to be able to help people meet others. Right. Well, I, I thought that was a great idea, uh, incorporating some type of uh, worthwhile project in one's marriage that can be worked on during spare time, down to, even when you have kids, there's still downtime, spare time, time they're away, et cetera, et cetera, uh, is, is a brilliant idea, I thought. So we have to call for mentioning that. People want to read about it, can see it in the book. It's Beyond the Instant. Rabbi Mark Wilds, get it on Amazon a week from tonight. You're invited to the Jewish Center, 131 West 86th Street at 6 p.m. The party, the big launch party and book release uh, celebration begins. Rabbi Wilds, of course, will address the crowd one week from tonight at that event. I take this opportunity to wish you a ketivava chatimatava, shanatava, uh, and uh, it's really uh, your heartwarming words about um, uh, Benjamin Siegel are uh, much appreciated. <laughs> And I really hope I, 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 I really I hope that you, I really hope that you and him and everybody that's involved in MJE has a very very productive high holiday season, and that more and more of the Jewish Amen. souls we spoke about are able to uh, explore their uh, spirituality and holiness because of your work. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. To you and to your family and to all of your great listeners and fans. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Right. Mark Wilds, love having him on. He's got a great brand new book. It's an easy read, by the way, folks. This is not, you know, this is not uh, uh, 500 pages. Uh, it's uh, 130 pages, and it's every page has worthwhile material on it, and uh, uh, much of it, as you heard, uh, were the topics we discussed during this conversation. More coming up 18 minutes after 8 o'clock. You are listening to JM in the AM.